Well, our gospel today is from the second chapter of Luke. If we had our Bibles open, we would see that just before this passage, the description of the shepherds reporting to Mary and Joseph about what the angel said about their baby that they had seen in the night sky. And eight days after the shepherds depart, in accordance with the law of Moses, Mary and Joseph take Jesus to be circumcised. And then 40 days later, which is today, basically, uh, they bring him to Jerusalem to fulfill another familial law, the presentation of the firstborn male at the temple. The text is a little confusing here because it speaks both of the law of purification. It says their purification. Some translations say her purification. Uh, And that had to do with mothers being made ritually clean after childbirth. And then the other thing is the presentation of the firstborn male. Both of these rituals are significant, but let's first look at the presentation. As background, this idea of presenting the firstborn male to God comes from Exodus. Actually, as I was preparing for our Exodus class today, I came upon this very uh, sentence. After God delivered the Israelites from Pharaoh, and remember it took a lot of persuasion for Pharaoh to let his slave population leave, there were those ten plagues that God sent And each time Pharaoh would consider if it was worth it, giving up the backbone of his economy to end these awful manifestations of judgment. But he was never quite convinced until the final judgment, which was the death of the firstborn male, which affected him personally. This was the judgment that is the context of the Passover. Remember when the angel of death uh, is unleashed and sent over Egypt, but passes over all the households of the Israelites because they had been warned by God through Moses uh, to take the blood of a lamb and paint it over the doorpost, and that was their protection. So the angel of death skips over the Israelite houses, sparing their children, but causes terrible devastation to their Egyptian captors. The Israelites escape and cross the Red Sea and get to a place where they can worship God freely, and God instructs them to remember how he delivered them. This is going to mark them as a people. They're supposed to celebrate the Passover meal annually, and they are supposed to consecrate, which basically means give to God, Their firstborn male. And this actually applies to all uh, animals as well, sheep, donkeys, everything. Uh, But this, in the case of the children, it's only a ritual act. They present the child, and then they redeem the baby back in exchange for a lamb. Or, in the case of people with limited means, a pair of doves or pigeons. And actually, this is how we know that Mary and Joseph are poor. They bring Jesus to be presented, and they redeem him with two doves. They didn't have enough money to present a lamb. Now, at this point, some of you may be thinking, understandably, wait, that bit about having to redeem your child with a lamb, a killed lamb, 
Yuck. Why would God want that? Why would he want the life, which is what the blood symbolizes, of a poor little lamb? What does that blood have to do with a precious, innocent baby and God's love? And it's a fair question. And I'm just going to answer with this. I'm going to offer for your consideration that real love, divine love, is terribly costly. Real love, because it involves loving people, has to encompass the wounds caused by human sin. And they are very real. The wounds that have been inflicted on you are real. And the wounds that we have caused others, either inadvertently or even consciously, are real. And the wounds caused by systemic injustice are terribly real. And that lamb is pointing to that reality. God's love for us is costly. Ultimately, it's not a sheep's life that is going to make a difference. It is Jesus who will take on himself that costly, redemptive loving that is so life-giving. You know, as I speak to you, I know that you all have felt the suffering of loving in a sinful situation, somebody who has hurt you. It is costly, and it is all the more costly for God. So it is Jesus who will take on himself that costly, redemptive loving, and that's what happens through the cross. In some mysterious way, each one of us is redeemed by Jesus on the cross. Well, back from this little excursus on the meaning of the ritual of the presentation to chapter 2 from Luke. Now, we come to this moment in the temple, which despite the wonderful sweetness of those two patient, hopeful saints, Simeon and Anna, who we can totally imagine vividly because we have our own elderly saints right here who walk around St. George's and pray for us and pray for the world every day. So there's this beauty of them and of Simeon's blessing over the baby. But this passage has a somberness to it also. Simeon is described as waiting for the consolation of Israel. He's hanging in there to see Israel be delivered from bondage. And it was an ugly, ugly bondage. And then Anna is described as waiting and praying for the redemption of Israel. So similarly, she is engaged in this ongoing prayer in a hopeful way. And of course, she had her own sadness to bear. She was a widow. And there is that prophecy of Simeon's that speaks menacing words about opposition that will arise against this child. And those sad, true words that a sword will pierce Mary's heart as well. This passage from Luke is reminding us that the work of Jesus is not just about teaching us to be kind people. 
or even just about Jesus, the miracle worker, healing us from sin, I mean, healing us from diseases. The work of Jesus will be to take on sin and death with his own body. And this will involve his suffering. But as somber as it is, all this talk of suffering, it's actually a very important part of the good news. Any gospel that you hear that does not encompass human sin and suffering, repentance and redemption, is insufficient. I was reading a little book by Ravi Zacharias, which is a fictional conversation between Jesus and the Buddha. They have, as you can imagine, a very civil exchange. But there is a moment in the text when Jesus basically politely points out the insufficiency of Buddha's teaching. This is the fictional words of Jesus. First you told them there is no God. Then you told them there is no self. You also told them there is no one to pray to. You told them there is no evil one to fear. You told them everything is only within themselves, even though those selves do not exist. You instructed them that their good deeds had to outweigh the bad. You carved into their consciousness a huge debt. You gave them scores of rules to live by. How can this bring peace? Jesus offers us such a different answer to the reality of suffering. He doesn't explain it away. He enters it fully, naming it as part of the kingdom of darkness, which he came to overcome. And that's the first point I want us to remember from this text, that the good news of Jesus is powerful because it does not deny suffering. Mary's or yours or God's. And the second and final point that we see so clearly in this text is that God uses human vessels in his redemptive plan. It was Mary's body that bore Jesus. And that is highlighted by Luke in referencing her coming to the temple for the rite of purification. It will be Mary's heart that is pierced by grief as she sees her son crucified. Being a vessel for the good news, it does involve suffering. It also involves great joy. But it doesn't end suffering in this life, and that's important. It was fragile old Simeon who declared to Mary and Joseph who their son was, and Anna, and their roles were so important. Just as you here today play a part in the ongoing working out of God's salvation. And you do this in your private lives and in your public lives by being here at church. You do it by teaching in Sunday school and handing out bulletins and preparing the altar and literally just seeing one another, seeing one another. You are acknowledging the reality of God amongst us. And I just want to challenge you today to remember that you don't just come here for your own private spiritual journey. I love that we come here for our own private spiritual journey. 
but you are coming here for everybody else in the room. That's important. That is terribly important. And in this picture that we have of Simeon and Anna, I mean, Mary had already been told by an angel that she was giving birth to the Messiah. And yet she was astounded by what Simeon said. Gosh, I guess it's true. I guess that doubt that I was experiencing, I can let go of that. It's true. Look at Simeon. Look at what he told me. Look at Anna. So we give thanks to God um, for taking us seriously as his vessels of the good news.